Tonight's reading um, comes from Matthew, chapter 6. It's page 971 in the Church Bibles. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you be worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, he will not so much more clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. about to do that. They fiddle around a bit, don't they? Sorry about that. Let's try and get it right. I don't want that to hit. That's it. It's fine now, look. Let's pray for a minute. Lord, I pray you'll take my small words and use them in a big way to help us understand how great you are, how good you are, how generous you are, and help us to copy you to your great glory. Amen. Now, I'd like, I'd like to talk, I'm blatantly going to talk about money this evening, okay? And because we're British and we're very, very restrained, we don't really talk about money much, do we? And we haven't talked about it, as far as I know, in this church for two years. 
So no one can accuse us of talking about money every week and trying to grab your money, okay? Just to get that clear before we start. But I am going to talk about money. And I believe our society tends to say to us in various ways that if you have money and wealth, this is the message you get, you're going to be happy and fulfilled. And the Beatles agreed in 1963... back in 63, fairly early in their career, that's probably what they were thinking. We want money. We're getting famous now. The girls scream, if you know anything about the Beatles, we want money. And that's, that's kind of the spirit of the age, isn't it? If you have money, you'll be happy, blah, blah, blah. And even if we're Christians, it's very easy for us to adopt this unhealthy attitude towards money and wealth. We, as Christians, are not immune to the pressures in society around us. And that song really reflects our desire to some degree for more and more money, which we might not say in such forthright fashion as the Beatles express, but I wonder if, if it is or part, has been part of our thinking. We just want more money. It's a common cry, I want more money. Money, that's what I want. And if we work with money, that might be a particular temptation for us because you, you kind of have to think about money all day because that's your job. And as I said, our society tends to tell us in various ways that if you have money and wealth, you're going to be happy. And that seems, you look at the, the electioneering going on at the moment, a lot of it is to do with saying you'll be happy if you have money and wealth. And Jesus points out in this passage that the only way to go is by putting God and his kingdom of love first. This is a completely radical idea. And everything else in life follows on from that In fact, Jesus implies if we don't do this, it's only going to end up in lots of worry and stress. That's implied in this reading tonight. And then later on in 1964, the Beatles seemed to hint at this when they recorded this other song a bit later, 1964. Have a listen. You see, money can't buy me love. Money can't buy me love, can it? And love's the most important thing, isn't it? I mean, I'll tell you a story. I haven't planned to do this, but I think we've got a bit of leeway. I met this guy once, and he worked for these people who did these ships, uh, these massive oligarchs who own these massive ships. And they can only have about 13 people on them, otherwise they'd have to register them as a cruise liner. And they, they go around the world, they go into ports, and then they have a big party to show off how much money they've got, which they have, they've got loads of money. So in the port, they'll have lots of people on board. But when, when the guy, he used to drive them, I think they're called the master of the ship, I think Neil would... I'd be appalled at my lack of knowledge about this. But anyway, anyway, what? No, he said master. I don't know. Anyway, he was the driver, this bloke. (laughs) 
Now, I can understand that. And he said, but late at night, you know, the, the, the owner, the oligarch, would be sitting there. There's only 13 people on this massive boat. And the owner would say, you know, and he's had this for a few of them. He said, I've got all this, but I'm not happy. You know, I, I just feel something missing. I'm not happy. Money can't buy you love, you see. That's the message here. Money can't buy you love. And Paul McCartney later said, Paul McCartney's one of the Beatles, if you don't know. I know I'm an older person. You might not know who the Beatles are. Uh, He said about this song, Money Can't Buy You Love, uh, the idea behind it was that all these material possessions are all very well, but they won't buy me what I really want. And I wonder if by 64 they got a bit more wealthy and they realised it wasn't everything. I don't know. So there's a hint in this song of can't buy me love at what Jesus is saying in this passage. His kingdom of love is the most important thing for all of us. And I believe deep down that's what we all really want. And that's actually anyone we meet in the world, deep down that is what they want. They won't, they probably deny it, they might not, but that's what they really want. They want love even if they're not fully aware of what they're yearning for. So let's look at this passage now in a bit more detail from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And the first point is maybe a bit of an obvious point, but I want to make it. Money is not evil in itself. Because you might be saying, well, he thinks money's evil. Well, I don't. I don't think that's what the Bible says. Money is not evil in itself. We need money. We do. And Jesus was supported financially by women. It says in Luke Luke 8, Jesus travelled from one city and village to another. He spread the good news about God's kingdom. Uh, The twelve apostles were with him and also some women were with him. They'd been cured from evil spirits and various illnesses. These women were Mary, also called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, whose husband Chusa was Herod's administrator. That's a very important person, I'm assuming, in the government. Susanna and many other women. And these women provided financial support for Jesus. Jesus needed financial support to go around and to spread the gospel. And then Jesus, of course, had made arrangements. You're probably aware of this as well, but he'd made arrangements to manage the money. And Judas, Judas Iscariot, looked after the disciples' money. John 12 tells us, I don't know if you remember the story when that woman broke the perfume over Jesus and, and he said, oh, you know, he virtually said, you're anointing me for my burial. It's a beautiful thing you've done. Um, one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to portray Jesus, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this, John tells us, because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. So Judas was stealing from Jesus and the other disciples and these women. And Judas' attitude might well have reflected the lyrics of the Beatles song, the first one, Money, That's What I Want. He was a bit of a Money, That's What I Want guy, wasn't he, in his actions there. Judas obviously had an unhealthy attitude to money. And this passage talks about healthy and unhealthy attitudes to money. And that may have been part of his eventual downfall, of course, when he sold Jesus famously for 30 pieces of silver, but he betrayed him, and Jesus was uh, murdered on the cross, was killed on the cross. 
So this unhealthy attitude to money is something Jesus is talking about in the passage tonight. So if we move on to the passage, Matthew 6, 22 to 24, the eye is the lamp of the body, Jesus tells us. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. He's very uncompromising here. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the, the Greek for healthy also that is used here, when Jesus says, if your eyes are healthy, the Greek implies generous. So if your eyes are generous as well, that's implied. And also the Greek for unhealthy, um, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body be full of darkness, implies stingy or a bit mean, a bit Scrooge-like, if you like, your dickens. And of course, eyes look at things, don't they? Directed by our brains, our thoughts. And if we want the light of God's love to flood in, that peace, that love from God, if you want that to flood in to our being, then we need to develop this healthy or generous mindset that Jesus is talking about, particularly when it comes to money and wealth. And of course, if we hold on to an unhealthy attitude towards uh, money and wealth, a money-that's-what-I-want attitude, a bit like Judas, that stingy attitude, then that attitude is going to block our vision, block our eyes. It's going to block out the light like very strong sunglasses. So you might look very cool but you won't have God's light of love shining into your being. Jesus says, he's very uncompromising, you cannot serve both God and money. And yet we're in a society that tells us the opposite all the time. Serve money, get wealthy, get rich. So how can we develop a healthy attitude to money and wealth? Well, Jesus is so good to us, he helps us, he tells us, how to do it and I think maybe if we use this picture of the eyes it's quite helpful looking what we look at what our focus is that's quite a good way of looking at it Um, so he says therefore I tell you don't worry about your life what we'll eat or drink and you see the bit about worry comes afterwards so I think he implies that if you if you wear your sunglasses you're going to worry if you block out with your unhealthy attitude you're going to worry Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. It's not life more than food, the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So don't worry, saying, oh, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So he's not saying you don't need them, and he knows that you need money as well. But he says, this is the key, as um, you mentioned earlier, Victoria, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And that later Beatles song, Money Can't Buy Me Love, comes much closer to this attitude it's not fully this attitude but it comes closer because Paul McCartney I think by then was realising the idea behind can't be love he said was all these material possessions are all very well but they won't buy me what I really want 
So Jesus understands money in itself is not evil. But making the gaining of money uh, our main focus in life is unhealthy. It's bad for us and it often leads to a lot of worry. And Jesus doesn't want us to have lives of worry. He wants us to have lives of abundance, much more than we expect uh, from life in every area of life. That's what abundance means. He wants us to have abundant life. And the way to experience abundant life is by looking not at money and the other things that get in the way, but looking at God's kingdom, God's righteousness, God's generous nature, God's goodness. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be yours as well. Look at those things. And he then gives examples of God's generous kingdom in the way his father, God, provides food for the birds. So if you're a bird watcher here, anyone like, I've got into this recently. Is, Is anyone like, do you like watching birds? Go on, admit it. Well done. I know Jill Page does. Oh yeah, well done. You see, if you do that, you're doing something Jesus did. It's very holy, so you can pat yourself on the back. Because he said, look at the birds. See? So if you're a bird watcher, you're doing what Jesus did. Do you like looking at flowers like doing the garden? Neil does, see? You're doing something that Jesus did. He looked at the flowers, see? Anyway, let's get back to the sermon. What was I talking about? Oh, yes. Jesus used a simple example of God's generous kingdom in the way his Father God provides food for the birds. So, look at the birds of the air, Jesus says. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father uh, feeds them. Sorry. And there are many other examples Jesus could have used because, of course, everything comes from God. As we sometimes say when we take the collection, although we don't do one in this service, we quote King David, we say, All things come from you, O Lord, and over your own have we given you so we I think one of the focuses on God's kingdom is to focus on God's generosity to us to help us have a healthier attitude to money and wealth so rather than focus on the money focus on God's generosity to us which I'm a big fan of saying thank you to God for the food whenever you eat because I think that refocuses you all the time I've got food there are plenty of people who haven't that's just something I think is important. But we can focus on God's generosity all the time. And that's a really good thing to do. And we can focus on God's kingdom too. Because Jesus says by focusing, looking at our first priority in life, looking at how good and generous God is, serving his kingdom, with God being the king of that kingdom, that, that's a real key to having a healthy attitude. He says, again I'll say it, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things, which I know you need, will be given you as well. And of course, if you look at Jesus, that's what he did too. He focused entirely on serving his father's kingdom. He practiced what he preached. No one else has ever walked this earth. He lived an abundant life. And when Jesus looked at the birds, look, let's look at some birds now. Look Look at that. Isn't that a great photo? That's a murmuration. I had to look that up. It's a murmuration which happens to be in the shape of a bird. And amazingly, they're being attacked by a hawk. And that's why they made that shape. I like hawks as well. But. So that's why they made that shape. But isn't it beautiful? There's this beautiful, even in that situation, what a beauty there is in what God's given us. Look at that. Just ponder on it. 
Why? God didn't have to make that beautiful, but he has. Isn't that beautiful? Look at the birds of the air. This is what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, look, isn't it beautiful? Wonderful. That's the God we're talking about, the generous God we're talking about. Or he said, look at the flowers of the fields. Now, obviously, I've chosen poppies today because it's Remembrance Day, but beautiful, aren't they? So meaningful. But he didn't have to make them beautiful like that, did he? But he did. Absolutely beautiful. Look at the flowers of the fields. So when Jesus looked, he saw the beauty and generosity of his Father God. And that's why he used them, I think, of examples of God's generosity and provision for all of us. So one of the things we can do to develop a healthier attitude to money, wealth, and in fact everything, is to look at God's generosity, to focus our eyes, our minds, our thoughts on his generosity, his provision for all creatures and us, human beings made in his image. And of course then another sign, we had communion this morning, so I can't point, point to the communion table, but another sign of God's generosity is when we as human beings ignored him, we turned away from him, which brought death and suffering into the world for all of us. Then in God's generosity, he's so kind to us, he rescued us from death and gave us the chance to experience abundant life now and beyond death. He did that through Jesus. I'll quote the famous verse. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. Through him he wants to save us. He wants to help us even when we run away from him. He wants to welcome us back like that that father who welcomes his prodigal son back. He runs out to meet him. That's what God's like. And as we put our faith and trust in our generous creator God and we decide to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, God gives us even more. He generously gives himself, his Holy Spirit, to live in us, to guide us, to comfort us, to empower us, to help us do things his way. He gives us his Spirit, who lives inside us, in our inner being. And that Holy Spirit helps us to be generous and loving towards others, just as God is generous and loving towards us. So if you're sitting here and you're someone who's, who's trying to follow Jesus now, you're a Christian, well, I just encourage you and me to thank God more and more and more for his provision in so many ways, now and even beyond death. And if you aren't sure, you're sitting there this evening, you're not sure about all this Jesus and God stuff, then I'd encourage you to ask others about it. Ask me or Victoria or anyone else you trust who you know is a Christian Ask any questions you may have, and hopefully we'll be able to help you. And I'd encourage you, make a decision to follow this generous God. Turn around, follow him. Do it his way. Seek first his kingdom. But when Jesus was around, you probably know he had a lot of resistance to his message from the Pharisees, among others. And he encouraged them to be generous, not greedy, because they were doing a lot for show. He wanted them to be generous to poor people, as their Heavenly Father is generous to them. And I think if Jesus was standing here tonight, that's something he'd say to us. Be generous to the poor. I know there are loads of ways to help others and serve God, other than financial. We give them our time, our skills and so on. But he'd say, be generous to the poor. 
Because really, most of us sitting here, in worldly terms, are incredibly rich. Incredibly rich, compared to the rest of the world. So I think we've got a massive responsibility with all that wealth and all those possessions we have. Because we believe God's generously given all that to us. And I've said this, I said this two years ago, but I think it's worth saying again. I think it's probably still the case that if you own a house in London, you are among the top 1% of wealth in the world. The top 1% in the world. So 99% of people in the world are not as wealthy as you and me. That's, a, that's a, an amazing thought, really. And it places a great responsibility on all, on all of us, I think. And Jesus says, be generous to the poor. So this inner motivation to treat people justly and give generously is what Jesus is emphasizing. And that inner motivation is given us by the Holy Spirit in us who follow Jesus. It's the Spirit who urges us to be generous so that we notice how we can be generous and then we follow it through with generosity. It's certainly one of my prayers because I can be a bit stingy, to be honest. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but I can be a bit unhealthy in my attitude to money and I need to have a more healthy attitude and of course Jesus wants us to give generously too to the work of the temple it was when he took the Pharisee but now the church so that the work God has for here for us here in Blackheath may be supported but how much should we give well if you were a Pharisee you gave 10% you actually fiddled it a bit and you probably didn't really give 10% but that's another story But is that a good guide? Do you think so? It might be. Let's listen to what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He wrote this later. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all good things at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So in that passage, first of all, he he gives a warning. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And I think what he's saying there is if we limit our generosity, we'll only feel limited benefits because we limit our pleasure and enjoyment of life if we don't give to others. There's actually a great pleasure in giving to others. And then he goes on to encourage us Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So I I think we should ask God to help us to be generous through his spirit living in us. We should always help God to help us notice the needs of others, and particularly the poor or those who aren't treated justly. And we should also ask God for generosity in helping the work here at St. John's and giving to the uh, church. And then Paul says about giving, give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, we we deliberately, if you're a newer person, you might not know this, we deliberately don't take a collection at St. John's because we don't want anyone who's new or is not a Christian to feel under compulsion to put some money in. We don't want that kind of giving to happen. Um, And if you're thinking about whether to follow Jesus or not, that I'd encourage you to do so, and I hope you've made a reasonable case outlining, outlining God's generosity tonight, and uh, 
how we can respond to that generosity by turning around, following him, and receiving his spirit to live in us. Do chat to me or Victoria afterwards. But we don't take a collection because we don't want you to feel compelled to give. We don't, you know, arm up the back. We don't want it to be like that. But if you are a Christian, uh, there's a leaflet available that looks like this. And it's got finance on it. And it's at the back there, just behind those doors. If you want to take one, if you if are thinking about this or, or thinking about upping your giving or whatever... If you're a Christian, there's that leaflet to tell you how to give regularly to the work of St. John. So have a look at it and see if you want to make any response. If you aren't yet giving to the church, it helps you how to see how to do it. And also it might help you review your giving if you're giving regularly at the moment. But remember what Paul says here. Remember we're giving in, in response to God's generosity to us, not under any kind of compulsion. Um, but the amount that feel we, we feel we should give. And we can pray that God's spirit, who God's generously given to us, will enable us to notice others' needs and help us to be generous to them. So Paul says, give what you've decided to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So to sum up, money is not evil in itself. We need it. But Jesus starkly warns us, you can't serve both God and money. You can't. And then we can develop a healthy attitude to money and wealth through maybe looking at God's kingdom, God's beautiful creation, a bit of bird watching, a bit of flower watching. We can look at God's righteousness, God's goodness, God's generosity. We can develop a healthy attitudes through relying on that Holy Spirit, asking God to fill us with his spirit of generosity and seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to us as well that we need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. If you want to know more about following Jesus, ask me or Victoria. And if you want more about how to give... Uh, Take one of those. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your generosity to us. Help us to be generous in return. Help us to seek your kingdom and your righteousness as we go out into this week. May you be the focus. Your love may be the focus of all that we do so that we can be generous to others, to your great glory, Jesus. Amen.